on today's gigantic show, actor Mark Pellegrino and internet attorney Andrew Rosso join me live. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Sunday Night Army. I'm your host, Jacob, and I have a very important show for everybody today. Now, if you've seen the previews, you know who my next two guests are. But before we get to them, I wanted to bring attention to this issue because it's not only important to uh, all of us who are always online, uh, who do a lot of things online, who are always online communicating. That's our new means of communication, but also um, for our families and friends and everybody out there uh, that might need a little bit more insight to cyberbullying, uh, to slander, to libel, and what it means and uh, how it applies to our world today. And a new project from my next two guests. But before we get to that, follow me everywhere on all your social media at the Sunday Night Army or on Twitter for some reason, the Sunday Night Army. Everywhere we have a podcast, subscribe to it anywhere you listen to podcasts on all podcatchers everywhere around the world the sunday night army search for that i'll pop up and just subscribe follow rate react everything but definitely follow me on social media as i'll be sharing all the links to today's show on facebook and instagram and twitter so let's get into it right now so right now i'd like to bring in my, today's guests on the sunday night army and first i'd like to introduce uh well, you've seen him on the big screen. You've seen him on TV in TV shows like The Closer, The Return, and on Netflix, 13 Reasons Why, and one of my favorite TV shows on the CW of all time, uh, Supernatural. Mark Pellegrino, how are you today? What's up? How you doing, man? Oh, I am uh, hanging out over here. Now, also joining him today is... He is a millennial internet attorney, law professor, anti-bullying activist, journalist... Hollywood brand manager and co-founder of the Grit Daily News, the Raw Nerve, and of course the Guardian Project, with he, which he co-founded with Mark Andrew Rosso. How are you today, too? I am good, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you both jumping on the show today and talking to me about the Guardian Project docu series, and I want to get into it in uh, detail here shortly uh, because it's a very uh, important topic. It's important to me. And it's definitely important to my audience. Now, before we get to the details of it, I want to know a little tiny bit of the background on what made each of you want to take up this gigantic, because it's a gigantic feat on cyberbullying. We'll start with Andrew. Uh, what made you step up and take up this feat? Sure. Personal experience. I, I grew up in an age where social media was just coming around and um, this goes back to when I was, you know, very young at, at a sports camp where I wasn't unfortunately as physically developed as a lot of the other boys my age at, at that time, only to, to learn a year or two later that I had a growth hormone deficiency that kind of made me out to be an outcast in, in a lot of ways. And because kids my age, myself included, didn't really understand something uh, that was foreign to them, it opened up the door to 
personal attacks, bullying, and what I now know is, as defamation over, over those years. And I, I promised myself as I learned to address those issues, learned to uh, address those people who, you know, made me feel the way I did, that I didn't ever want somebody else to feel alone, isolated, or that they couldn't turn to somebody. And, um, you know, with technology, that's, you know, it's grown to be a more dangerous behavior, uh, as, as we know today. And, you know, from my experience, it's, it's important to bring light to these issues uh, with mental health and, you know, teaching individuals that it's okay to share. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to reach out. And, you know, that, that led me down my own pathway to, to law, to writing, to, to fighting and standing up against bullies online and, and in real life. And I've followed, you know, Mark's journey for quite some time, you know, also, you know, growing up and watching Supernatural, but I, I grew to, not just admire his work, but really appreciate what, what he stood for um, online. And that was one of the reasons why I had first reached out to Mark. And Mark, same question. Yeah, for me, it's personal experience um, as well. And, and it goes, it, it connects with Andrew's more personal message about mental health and concerns for mental health in this uh, bully culture and extends even to uh, real, real uh, life. Um, not that, not that mental health isn't a real life, but uh, damage, but objective damages, uh, measurable damages that occur as a result of, of these uh, bully tactics. For for myself, I was subjected to three separate waves of uh, online bullying. As a check mark, you know, you're you're sort of a large target, and people think they can take pretty much any shot at you they choose, and you're invulnerable. And that, that doesn't only include just being uh, hyper-insulting. It includes tagging influencers and employers onto false narratives that they're creating because they want to hurt you. And then, and then uh, bringing those, those people into, uh, bringing your employers into the possibility of deciding whether or not to engage uh, the false uh, narratives or to just drop you. Um, because they don't want to deal with the hassle. So those are objective damages that, that, that can happen if you, if you get on the wrong side of the social media mob. And so uh, I saw too many people fall. I saw a very good friend of mine uh, lose his entire career in a contract based on false accusations that were magnified by social media. And the social media uh, mob turned against me uh, as I defended him and not necessarily him, but due process. I tried to urge the people that were attacking him online to take their issue to court and solve it in a court of law and that the court of public opinion wasn't the place to do it. They didn't, they didn't like that and that that began the waves of attacks. Wow. And it's all out there, especially nowadays. Everything is online and that's, that's what I really want to know. Now, Andrew, as a lawyer, now the current slander and libel and cyberbullying laws not adequate, and do they vary by state for things like that? Very, very good question. Um, and I'll start with your second question. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, every state, I believe, I believe every state as of today has some form of an electronic harassment law. Um, I, I think the number is probably close to 40, 47 to 48. 
of those 47 or 48 states, I believe 44 of them have a provision that uh, criminalizes what we call bullying online, cyberbullying. The problem with those laws or those provisions is that they're more of a slap on the wrist with not a lot of meat behind it. Uh, so to go into your first question, mm -hmm. no, I do not think the laws that are in place today are adequate or suitable to uh, begin to govern our internet, our, our cyberspace, our online world. And the reason for it is because I think those in a position to help shape those laws don't necessarily, A, understand the technology and these dangers, and B, um, don't really consider it to be, quote, real, which I don't understand. But those are the only two reasons or quote, I don't even call them justifications, but reasons as to why the laws are the way they are. And unless you are a senator who has a, a son or a daughter or a, a mother or a father who has lost, unfortunately, uh, a child to suicide or to some form of, of bullying, nobody does understand. And it's a, it's a big problem. And you know, not to get political, but, you know, for the U.S. and this election season, it's revealed a lot of hatred, a lot of hatred from people around us, uh, family members, close friends, colleagues. And it's, it's troubling because individuals don't always know how to address it. They don't know how to respond to it. And what happens when somebody takes something too far online and somebody loses a life? And there's just no framework yet, and there needs to be. And can I just can I just piggyback yes, onto that? Of course, say, go for I, it. I have I have personal experience during during the waves, successive waves of attacks on me. I went to a defamation lawyer, and discovered that in the state of California, it is nearly impossible to sue someone for defamation, really, uh, a, particularly a private citizen. Um, <laughs> now it's it's logistically impossible and and financially impossible unless you have extremely deep pockets, because uh, you have to prove you not the second you file a complaint against somebody or you file this claim of defamation, uh, California requires a countersuit instantly uh, uh, rendered against you. Um, that countersuit then opens up all of your private texts and files to whatever lawyer wants to get in there and root around and find something to decontextualize to make you guilty. And uh, so when you, when you top the retainer fees for your lawyer uh, and add on to those retainer fees for a lawyer, which already will amount to high five figures or six figures because this process is, is so difficult to prove, if you cannot prove intent on the part of the person who's harming you, which is extremely difficult, you're stuck with their lawyer's fees as well. So I, I feel like you have, you know, you have a, a slight class issue here too, where, yeah, if you're really, really rich, you might be able to take somebody to task for the damage that they've caused you in real, real terms by spreading false narratives. But if you're poor um, or you just, you just don't have those resources, you're done. You're just, you're going to be a victim and nobody's going to help you. And at the same time, for somebody like you, Mark, you know, who is an, a well-known actor, public figure, the blue check, you know, <clears throat> these laws are not friendly towards public figures, right? And the general assumption is, is when you place yourself 
under the public eye or in the public light, um, there are no such protections. And to an extent, that's, that's correct. But at the same time, in 2020, it's not correct. And, you know, Mark, I think you'll agree, nobody deserves to be hated upon like that. You know, the freedom of speech is not the freedom to, to hate and to be violent. You know, I forget the phrasing that you use, but there's got to be some sort of carved out provision exception or structure when it especially comes to public figures as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see the groundwork that both of you have uh, for this project coming together. And that's where I want to start with, uh, with this next part, because uh, between both, both of you, how did you both link up to create the Guardian, Guardian Project docuseries that you're working on? Well, a- Andrew asked me to do a, a cameo for his uh, Cyberbyte anti-bullying website, so I, I did that. And then he asked me for an interview um, and we did an hour long interview. And then we talked for uh, almost twice as long afterwards and discovered that we had a commonality of experience and that, and that brought us together. And that's how we decided to bring our common experiences and our uniquely complementary gifts and worldviews to this problem to see if we could solve it. That, that makes sense to me. I think the two right people got together for, for this uh, issue that we're trying to tackle here. Now, I want to know about the actual project itself, the Guardian Project docuseries. Um, let's get into it. What is it? How is it being uh, created and supported as of right now? So, so the idea is a show sort of along the lines of, and you can chime in anytime you want, Andrew, if I'm missing something. Um, sort of along the lines of catfish, where you find people who are victimizing others. Um, of course, you'd have to prove your, your case in an airtight fashion. And you bring the victim and the, 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 victim and the, and the victimizer together. And you give it the chance for the victim to get some form of justice. And um, that could be some kind of, of um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, Andrew? Restitutional justice, where, where the, the person has to make the other person whole for objective damages that the, that the uh, false narratives have done to their lives. Or it could be a form of, uh, of reformative justice where the, the victimizer agrees for a period of time to take on an entirely new persona online. And we watch and monitor them and, and check, their, check on their progress. And, and, and then show, uh, demonstrate their, their project on, on the show, like say on The Biggest Loser, when you see mm-hmm. somebody who goes into the, the project one way, comes out and maintains that lifestyle uh, for many, many months after they're off the show. So it could be a source of inspiration for people, um, for people to see that uh, they can have a voice. They're not just going to be drowned out by the mob and that the mob will be held accountable for the things that they do because individuals within the mob will be, will be picked out and identified um, and some form of justice will be done. And then, you know, to, to piggyback, you know, with this reformative justice, this rehabilitation, you know, this uh, twofold type uh you know, mechanism that Mark and I want, want to see through, you know, it's, it's interesting for public figures or news and media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, for the verification badge, the blue, the blue badge verification as it's known, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all required to submit 
identification, our driver's yes. license, a passport, something that connects our name, our identity to the system so that they know, the plat- they being the platforms, know we are who we say we are. That when it first started was just supposed <clears throat> to be for the news and media networks and certain individuals or actors and actresses whose name was so big that any type of imposter that tried to uh, impersonate that individual uh, could very likely cause harm to that person's brand or name by um, misleading uh, somebody in their community. That's, that's what the verification started as. Um, It's become a popularity contest. It has evolved into a very lucrative market. uh, And I say market specifically because there's a lot of things that go on. The people that should be protected with that system under what these platforms initially say they set it up for are not protected. Um, And the people that should not have that protection in the sense of, you know, what have they done to qualify as that public figure. And you look at the background behind these people and there's nothing there. It's a problem because it's a very cherry picked system. And, you know, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. Everybody needs to have some sort of identity tied to the system. If they choose to go into the Facebook or the social media ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think, to your point, the check mark was supposed to be a means of protecting, protecting a celebrity from from uh, right. from harm, and it's become a status symbol and lost all of its meaning. I definitely think people's identities should be should be uh, verified online, and I think that 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 those the details of that identity should be shared across platforms so that when somebody acts in bad faith on one platform, it's quite possible that they get banned from all platforms. You lose your privileges on, on someone's platform by virtue of the fact that you're doing uh, criminal acts. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that what they do is defined by these uh, seemingly senseless algorithms that pick out, Linguistic twists, or or are are you know, or you are standardized by some form of a- activist language. Um, it means that you have objective standards of force and fraud and, and uh, slander and libel, and that those are your objective standards to measure anybody's uh, tweets by, or or anybody's posts by. And if somebody shows a consistent pattern of lying or magnifying lies, that person gets booted and they're booted, they're booted permanently. Um, I also think that, you know, since the last wave I experienced from February on has been teenagers. Um, I think that uh, Twitter can, could take a page out of the Facebook uh, uh, book and, uh, and divide the platform into uh, minors and adults with the minor platform being a strictly regulated by parents because clearly the parents don't know that their children are sitting there in their room magnifying, uh, magnifying disastrously damaging uh, information um, and enjoying it, actually getting off on it. Now there's a, there's an entire subset of teenagers that get followers based on their capacity to go to check Mark into a fight and, uh, and then, and then nastily pile onto them and then spread whatever decontextualized narratives they can based on that fight. 
So now, now to get into that, Mark, you just made a great point, and I'm going to forward it to one of my last questions that I had here because that is uh, exactly one of the things I wanted to get in because Twitter, to me personally, is a cesspool of negativity and hate, and I'm online <laughs> 20 hours a day. Now, my question is also, uh, there are many networks that allow its users to be anonymous, fake accounts, giants like Facebook don't have the reporting response to erase, to eliminate these accounts, neither does Twitter. And, and my last point here is following up on your, what you said, do we have to push for more parental responsibility with children and devices in this age? Because my 10-year-old has Facebook Messenger for kids, and I'm still iffy about that. Now, if we're talking teenagers, is, would there be an age limit under 16? Because you brought up a really good point. It might have to be monitored, but I don't know if Facebook and Twitter are up to that challenge and it might have to be pushed more on parents and linking it to their accounts. So they're responsible. What do you think? I mean, I think it's, it's, it's each individual's responsibility. Certainly the uh, parent uh, has the responsibility entirely for what the child is doing. And so uh, for, from, uh, from my perspective, uh, the, the child, the child has rights to his life, but he is a ward. The parents are entirely responsible for everything that child does. And so um, it's, it's completely within a free, just civil society that the parents totally monitor that social media. I don't, I don't think you can throw such a responsibility onto social media itself, but you can give them the mechanisms where they can, they can either report to parents or, or the, 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 ch the child's online activity can be completely transparent to the, to, the, to, the, to the parent so that they can see everything that the kid is doing online. And yeah, you know, I think because of the unique nature that social media allows, right? When Facebook first came out, it introduced global connectivity to, to the, uh, ironically, to the world, right? It allowed for somebody on the other side of the world to communicate with loved ones, friends, you know, whoever. And because of that, um, there is a responsibility to, to some point by the platforms, but to Mark's point, it, it's not fair to place that burden of quote parenting or monitoring these children entirely upon uh, the the platforms themselves. Um, I do think there are mechanisms like, you know, the messenger for kids, uh, you know, YouTube kids uh, just came out, you know, in the past year or so because Google, uh, Alphabet and Google got nailed for a combination of inappropriate advertising, child pornography, right? When you open up these channels to where it's not hard to just click something that says, yes, I'm over the age of 13 and, oh, well, here you go right, without any sort of uh, secondary filter, it's, it's a problem. So I think, you know, that's, that's why there's a lot of networks that are coming out, like Grom Social and a lot of others that are made by kids for kids, where the parents have a very large role in the development of the, the system and these uh, security uh, mechanisms and the reporting features are all run by parents. So I think it's a much larger beast than what, you know, the Zuckerbergs, the Dorseys, you know, uh, you know, all these individuals that have created them really understood to begin with. And it's grown very powerful. And I like to see on the Guardian project, 
Um, one of the points, it says that the Guardian Project seeks to change the ways in which social media platforms, platform algorithms are designed to engage users. I think that's kind of what we're also talking about. Now, how can you get into that in a little bit more detail? Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think the algorithms seem to be very prejudicial. Um, and that's what's inciting people on the right side of the aisle to drag these poor guys into Congress and start threatening them with breaking up their quote unquote monopolies and, and regulating <clears throat> and regulating them um, because they clearly have the prejudicial uh, algorithms. And look, it's about uh, making the standards objective, not subjective, objective. Is there is a person threatening violence? That is an objective standard uh, that, that should not be free. Is, is the person spreading false narratives? That's libel, that's slander, that's fraud, that's a form of fraud. That those things should not be allowed. Yeah, calling names, to, calling people names in harsh language hurts feelings and it makes people mad, but it's, that is still free speech and you still have a great deal of control over whether or not you engage with that person. You don't have control over whether they spread something, some phony rumor about you <clears throat> or take a tweet out of context or, or clip a tweet in such a way to create their own narrative and then spread that. And then that goes viral and takes on a life of, of its own. That's objectively damaging. So take away the social justice, uh, academic linguistics that, that's guiding these, uh, these uh, algorithms and make it uh, objective rules. So Hamas and Hezbollah and ISIS don't have any more platforms on there because they're violent organizations. They can go away. And you apply those same standards to every citizen and then hold the citizens accountable through the verification process so that they're not anonymous. So when they're spreading slanders, they're like a newspaper themselves. I mean, if one thing, if one thing social media has done is it's, it's, it's killed the monopolies of all, all the media. And now we're all journalists in a way. We're all passing on information. It's been totally democratized. And some of us need to have, be held accountable for the, for the crappy things that we, we do and say. And, and you're, you're right. It's unfortunate, Mark and Andrew, that slander and libel aren't taken as seriously as, let's say, 20 years ago, because everybody's allowed to have a voice either uh, online or anonymously online either way. Now, I want to know about the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter account. Tell me where can my audience uh, get to it, how we can find it, and other social media that is relevant so we can engage all together. Sure. Um, you know, you can go to kickstarter.com and search The Guardian Project. You can type in Mark Pellegrino on Kickstarter. You can type in my name, Andrew Rosso, on Kickstarter. Probably the easiest, though, is for individuals to, to find Mark. On, on Twitter and, and social media. And Mark, if you want to share your, you know, your, your handles. Yeah, that's at Mark R. Pellegrino. That's uh, Mark R. Pellegrino's on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. It's Mark Ross Pelly, M-A-R-K-R-O-S-S-P-E-L-L-E. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, the Kickstarter is to, um, is to uh, fund a producer to start a pitch platform so that we could take this to networks and see if anybody's interested. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's, it gets to be dangerous, Jacob, when, it does. you know, just to, to add on one final point to Mark's yes. last uh, response to you, it's very dangerous when people start using and throwing around terms that, you know, like somebody's homophobic, transphobic, anti-Semitic, 
Uh, you know, back in the day, it used to be you can't start running around accusing people in your church of having an STD <coughs> or having a disease, right? Because it, it affects their, uh, not just their reputation, but their economic livelihood. And today it's, it's no different. The, the difference is having people understand what can really harm somebody's reputation, what could jeopardize their job, their, their ability to continue raising their child, even if these claims are, are false. You know, you don't want Child Protective Services just coming in there because somebody said that this guy's downloading child pornography just because, right? So it's, it's those types of allegations and narratives that become very deadly. 100% agree. And that's why this is important. That's why we need to see the Guardian Project docuseries happen. We, we uh, need to see it as soon as we can. Yeah, I hope you guys get it done quickly. Andrew, Mark, I appreciate you coming on my show and sharing this with me and my audience. Thanks, Thank man. Thanks much. for having us. Thank you very, very much. So there you go. For all the Kickstarter links, uh, go follow my social media, uh, The Sunday Night Army on Facebook. Sunday Night Army on Twitter and at the Sunday Night Army on Instagram. And I will be linking uh, both Andrew and Mark in all the posts and the Kickstarter account will be posted up on the Facebook page. Go check it out. I think we have till November 27th to go and support this tremendous project. I want you to get out there, show support and let them know the Sunday Night Army sent you. You heard it on the show. And give all you can because this is a great idea. It's a great uh, docu-series that this will come out eventually. And I think we all need to support it and make it as uh, well directed and produced as possible. Because it will be a great example to what needs to be done on with the internet these days. Because we just can't sit here and do nothing and uh, have people with no responsibility for their actions so great idea great concept when needs to come to fruition and go and support it check out the kickstarter and uh we'll go from there keep everybody updated go check out my socials at the sunday Night army hope you guys enjoyed the show i'll talk to you next time